So I want to go back and take another look at that last episode. In my opinion, it was all over the place. There was a lot of good content, a lot of feeling, a lot of thought and depth, but not a lot of structure. Didn't really have the same structure that I saw on that second episode that I scripted. So I want to go back to what is one of the key ways of looking at things. One of the things that gives this podcast its name as the hermeneutic oval, and that's the hermeneutic circle. In its simplest form, the hermeneutic circle starts with whole, proceeds through analysis, which breaks things down into its parts, goes through synthesis, which puts those parts back together into a whole, and hopefully gives you some sort of gain in the process, gives you some sort of new insight. I was thinking about this, or possibly the hero's journey, as a structure that I could structure each episode around, with key phrases to move between the different parts. So, to run you through the hero's journey, or at least one way of describing it real quickly, we start with the ordinary world, go through the call to adventure, the refusal of the call, the meeting of the mentor, then the crossing of the threshold. At this point, we move from the ordinary world to the special world. And if you know very much about the hero's journey, you know that this is the point where the hero really goes off into you know, darkness or the dark forest or the dungeon or wherever it is that most of the real action is going to take place. Then there's tests, allies, and enemies, approach to inmost cave, and then the ordeal. This is the belly of the whale, for instance, or the time that Jesus spent those three days in the underworld, things like that. That's the ordeal. The reward, the seizing of the sword, comes next, followed by the road back. Now, if you've read J.R.R. Tolkien, if you've read The Lord of the Rings, you know there literally is a road back while the hobbits have to get back home and then they have to actually kick some people out of the Shire. That's not something that's shown in the movies. Then, stage 11 of the hero's journey is known as resurrection. Now, obviously, if we're talking about the Jesus story and the way it's structured, it is a literal resurrection. And if you look at a few movies, you'll see this too. Great example is the Iron Giant. Love that movie. Love that resurrection part. Great movie. And finally, the return with elixir, or the treasure, the Holy Grail, whatever it was that the quest went out to get, or perhaps even better, something that the quest went out and was surprised by. So this structure, either the hero's journey or the hermeneutic circle, I thought would make a great structure for a story, for a examination of things where we pick things apart, put them back together and see what we've learned. So I'm starting to rethink the way that I structure each episode, and I'm hoping to gain from that. It just so happens that I found a blog that puts together the hero's journey and the hermeneutic circle and says that the hero's journey was developed based upon the hermeneutic circle. And this makes a lot of sense to me. 
and this blog post actually shows the hero's or I'm sorry, the hermeneutic circle in two ways. First, it shows it moving from understanding through engagement and back to understanding, from the whole to the parts and back to the whole. And then in another way, it moves from the whole to the parts and back to the whole, but not quite. It ends up with what they describe as, if the challenge triggers reflection and reinterpretation, we grow into a new level of understanding. So that's what I hope to gain from each podcast episode, a new level of understanding. And I think that is what I do when I go through these past topics of my life or of things that I've read, things that I'm interested in. I re-examine them. I pick them apart. I come back with some sort of nugget of understanding or wisdom or whatever. And there's benefit. There is, in terms of heroic stories, a boon, something you come back with. So I came up with some key phrases, and then I narrowed them down to make a very basic outline, which I might be able to use for each episode. And so that could look like, first, this is the world we know. This is the world I know. Second, we're on our way, which signals that the adventure has begun. We're going out, we're finding things, we're picking things apart. Third, this is where it gets really hard. And I don't think that any good story, especially if it's a personal story, a personal reflection, should avoid that part. Because that's where some of the deepest learning happens, is when we get to the bottom of things. And finally, so, what did we learn? I think that that would be a good way to wrap it up. So looking back on my story of how I used to think I was an Indian. This is the world I know. My world that I grew up in, my home base, so to speak, was up on the mountain, Armenia Mountain in Pennsylvania, in an area that was once inhabited by Indians, but obviously hasn't been inhabited by Indians in quite some time. There's very few signs of them anymore. That face, that stone face carved in the side of a rock, I thought that was a sign. It wasn't. But I'm, I'm jumping ahead a bit. So focusing on, this is the world I know. That's where I grew up. That's what I thought. Next phase, we're on our way. So as I grew up, I operated on that assumption that assumption that it really was an Indian artifact carved into the face of a rock. And that took me places. That create, created some very interesting conversations with my anthropology professor, and I got very excited about that, and it later led to some novel ideas. And that's great. That place where it gets really hard, though, is that place where I finally had to prove to myself, and did prove to myself, I'm not Indian. I kind of wished I was. I'm largely Polish, and then largely German, and largely white, Caucasian, European, largely boring. Thankfully, within my European heritage, 
I know that there's still some fun things like Perun, the god of lightning in Polish mythology, and some German mythology that, hey, maybe Thor's in there even somewhere, because that leans a little that way. And let's not forget the Irish mythology that I can get from the McDonald's in my line. The Thuahod Dunham, they're amazing. They're like elf people. So I have a lot of great things, even if I'm not Indian. But going back from that place where it gets really hard, hey, I had to let go of that idea. I had to let go of the idea that I was Indian and move on. But that final part, so what did we learn? What did I learn in all of that? I learned that you can't trust every legend you hear. Some of them, they're just legends. They're wishful thinking. We wished we were Indian. We wished that that face was Indian. Neither were true. But we did learn that there's quite a rich history. Like I said, there is that one ancestor of mine who was killed by Indians. That was pretty cool. That was pretty exciting. My wife actually has connections to the Plymouth Colony. The guy I'm talking about, uh, he was a Captain Samuel Luther. He actually died in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. So very deep roots. And then the Mingus family, who seemed like not as exciting as being descended from Indians because they're just Germans, but uh, that Mingus family actually had quite an interesting history as well. So, all of that to say, genealogy is amazing. Learning about yourself is amazing. And I recommend that everybody take a look into their own past. And I don't mean just taking a genetics test. That's cool, that's helpful, that's interesting, but genealogy is really an amazing thing if you can get to it in depth. And it gives you a sense of who you are as a person. I think that is a so what did we learn in a very big way. To know who you are, to know who your ancestors were, is a great thing. And I hope everybody gets the benefit of that. I know for some people that's very difficult or, or even unpleasant, but that's okay. That is the hermetic circle that everybody goes through in their journey of knowing who they are. To take it back to my four-part outline, high-level outline, you start with the world you know, you go out, you get on your way, you get to a point that's really hard. In any genealogy, you get to points that are really hard. You find out that somebody in your family was not who you thought they were. I, I do have some cousins that married back, at, back there. They're like first or second cousins. Not a huge deal, but, well, all right, there's that. There was an ancestor of mine that I thought served in World War I. Judging by his World War I draft card, he was in no shape to serve in World War I. And judging by some other parts of his history, maybe that wasn't quite the truth. But nonetheless, it doesn't look like he served. Oh well. You reach hard parts, but what do you learn? You come back with something 
that informs your life, something that makes your life a little bit richer. This isn't a heroic quest where we necessarily come back with the elixir of life or where we got a magic sword along the way. All the lightsabers are so awesome. But genealogy is amazing. History is amazing. Delving into local folklore is amazing. Even if you can't prove or disprove some of it, it's still amazing. So go out there, find those stories. Don't just settle for the world you know. Don't just settle for the world you know about yourself or your history or your local surroundings. That's my lesson. That's my takeaway. This has been the Hermeneutic Oval. Thank you.